When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. This episode is brought to you by Carvana. Carvana is in the business of driving you happy. And with the widest selection of used cars under $20,000, you're bound to find a car that'll put a smile on your face. They even offer customizable financing so you can plan your down and monthly payments. To shop thousands of affordable vehicles 100% online, download the app or visit Carvana.com. Availability may vary by market. Hello, movie lovers. Welcome to the best damn movie related show here on the internet. This is your host, as always, for Movie Lovers Unite, John DeGorio. For today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about Zombieland Double Tap. This is going to be my non-spoiler review. And then after that, I'm going to be breaking into, well, speaking of breaking into something, I'm going to be talking about Daybreak. This is actually the Netflix show that dropped on October 24th. This is where the kids are in charge in an apocalyptic kind of world where the adults are actually the zombies. So I'm going to be talking about that. That's going to be a non-spoiler review. Then I'm going to be talking about Terminator Dark Fate self-terminating itself against itself against itself over the weekend over the box office bomb. Then Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. I know that this movie... This movie news dropped last week, but hey, I'm going to talk about it. Then I'm going to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger says that he's open for another last action hero movie and True Lies movie. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Zombieland Double Tap non-spoiler review. It has been 10 years since we actually had a Zombieland movie. Can you actually believe that? It's been 10 years. It's been that long. And then, of course, we also had that horrible Amazon show for Zombieland and that show got canceled after not even one season. But still, we want now we have Zombieland Double Tap and let me just tell you this. It feels like that we are right in there right in the mix where we left off with these characters 10 years ago. It feels like the chemistry is right there with each other. They're actually more of a family now where they can actually annoy the hell out of each other. But besides that, like I said, they don't seem to miss a beat whenever you look at the chemistry with them. Then also, too, I love the I love that Tallahassee hasn't really changed in the 10 years at all. It seems like that they didn't really write his character into the way or anything like that whenever it's 2019. As a matter of fact, he's the same Tallahassee that we knew from 2009, which is something I can actually appreciate because I actually like the fact that they didn't try and overdo his character and change his character to who he is because Tallahassee is exactly who we want him to be. And then, of course, Columbus is actually the same type of awkward kind of guy. He has a girlfriend now, which is not a surprise because we actually saw that in Zombieland 1 with Wichita. But this movie is exactly what you want out of a zombie land movie. As a matter of fact, the zombie kills actually reminds you of the Talking Dead, with where they actually go in for zombie zombie kill of the week, and then you go into other aspects of certain things that they've done. It kind of reminds you of the the Talking Dead, and of course, you know you actually have the Walking Dead. But the Talking Dead is where the standout for me is where they actually make fun of the way certain zombies die and stuff like that. I like they kind of acknowledge that show in a in a certain sense because even Talking Dead actually went on ahead and copied a few things from the 2009 movie because that show came out in 2010. But I have to say this. This movie is really good for what it is because this movie knows who its target audience is. It knows the formula. It knows where, it, where it's going to grab you at. And not only that, 
But, like I said before, they actually seek refuge in the White House. And therefore, after a while, Tallahassee and Columbus has to go and try and save Little Rock because Little Rock and Emma Stone's character, Wichita, winds up leaving the White House because after Jesse Eisenberg's character, Columbus, goes ahead and proposes to Wichita. Wichita, of course, declines and she winds up being scared. So her and Little Rock winds up leaving the White House. Well, all of a sudden, there's this girl named Madison who was actually locked in the ice freezer in the mall. And she's one of the most annoying characters in this movie. Because even in the trailers, I really couldn't stand her character. But the whole fact that she even annoys Woody Harrelson's character, it makes it even that more hilarious. Because even Woody Harrelson wants to actually kill the girl. But it goes against his moral code in a way because of the fact that he can't do that. Because of who, because of that whole entire reason that she's a human being in a sense, but he still wants to kill her in his mind. He probably killed her at least 10 times in his mind. But anyways, long story short, they all have to go on ahead and try and save Little Rock because Little Rock winds up leaving Emma Stone's character, Wichita. And now they're on this road trip to try and save Little Rock from this guy named... Berkeley, because that's who they actually met on the road, her and Wichita did. And he's like this hippie kind of guy that believes in Gandhi, don't believe in guns, and he wants Little Rock to go to this community with with him and everything where they don't have guns or anything. Everything's supposed to be all peaceful, smoking weed and all that other stuff. But, but then they actually make this pit stop, uh, Tallahassee, Columbus, and the rest of the characters actually make this pit stop in Tennessee where they're actually going into Graceland, where Woody Harrelson's favorite artist, Elvis Presley's at, uh, what house is at. And I love the fact that every single time whenever he thinks that he's actually going to get to see Elvis Presley's house or something related to Elvis Presley is quickly stripped away. It makes me, it makes that scene, that scene a whole lot more hilarious, even inside the bar that Nevada has and that's and that's Zoe Gonzalez's uh character and I have to say this the part where Jesse Eisenberg can actually fit into an Elvis shoe makes it even more hilarious because that's actually been stripped away from Woody Harrelson's character because he can't even fit his foot into an Elvis Presley shoe and it's like everything that he had planned everything that he had envisioned is stripped away from him on that one in that one particular thing another thing too is that I like about this movie is the fact that these zombies now are evolved. You have a Homer, uh, a really stupid zombie that they call Homer because of how slow it moves and how stupid it is and stuff like that. Then you also have these fast-moving zombies that they actually renamed as well. And then, too, you also have Woody Harrelson who has to go and save the group and everything from these other herd of zombies in this peaceful village that don't believe in guns and everything. So, you know, I have to say, Zombieland Double Tap is actually a lot of fun. You actually have to go in with the with the fact that it's been 10 years, and you're wondering if it's 10 years too late because of the fact that you're not sure if the chemistry is going to work. Because look at, look at Zoolander. Look at some of the other movies in the past where the chemistry just didn't work. But for this, they understand the humor. They understand what they're going for. They understand their target audience. They understand what they're trying to go for. And I feel like Zombieland Double Tap's a lot of fun. And not only that, but the Bill Murray cameo and everything 
works out really well. And if you haven't seen the movie or whatever, make sure you stay till the very end and then you'll see what, what I'm talking about. But that's all, that whole entire scene right there was hilarious. I really enjoyed Bill Murray's scene in that movie. But still, check out Zombieland Double Tap if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it if you're a, into zombies or if you're into Woody Harrelson movies, just the Eisenberg movies, and even Emma Stone movies, which she is actually one of my favorite crushes in Hollywood today. But anyways, check out Zombieland Double Tap. I think you might actually have a good time. Then, now we're going to go ahead and go into Daybreak, which is this Netflix show. And it's about this guy named Josh. He's searching for his missing girlfriend, Sam, in a past a post-apocalyptic Glendale, California. He is joined by a ragtag group of misfits, including a pyromaniac 12-year-old Angelica and Josh's former bully, Wesley, now turned pacifist Sumerai. Matthew Broderick actually plays the principal in this movie, in this show, and has a very Ferris Bueller feel to this show. In other words, is when Josh is telling the story of what happened before the apocalypse and also during the apocalypse, he goes into this break the fourth wall kind of thing. And the very first thing I thought of was it has a very Ferris Bueller's Day Off kind of feel to it, which, which is why I fell in love with the show. Not only that, but... Even the introduction of the show, you actually have to pay very close attention to each thing that he's actually telling in the fourth wall break because it actually goes in with the rest of the episodes and everything else because of the fact what he does to certain characters because he actually learned certain characters from certain things that he actually told us in those breaking the wall segments. I mean, I love how they broke that down and everything. It's a lot of, this show is actually a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, I was sitting there thinking to myself, why am I watching this show? Why am I absorbed into this universe where you have an apocalyptic-like show where where the parents are actually the ghoulies, and ghoulies are like a zombie-type thing, but when the bomb goes off, the parents only remembers the one last thing that they, the one last thought that they actually had before the explosion. Like, for example, if they remember there's a sail over at Zales, they're going to say, oh, there's a, there's a sail over at Zales that's a half off. That's going to be in their memory warehouse, and that's the only thing they're going to remember. Then you also have this other woman named Miss Crumb, and she's also the teacher who is also called the witch, but Miss Crumb, on the other hand, has her whole, all her vocals. She can actually have, I think, process not only that, but she can also do other things, too, where you know, she doesn't crave on just blood or anything. She actually can actually eat normal food. And she's able to process certain information as well. So I actually like the fact that she still has some of her memories. She can actually eat normal food if she chooses to eat normal food. She actually has a lot more dynamic with her character, which is something that I haven't seen before. And not only that, but if you're wondering what happens if you wind up getting bit by a ghoulie, nothing happens to you at all. Or anything like that, and which is why Josh thought that he would have to cut off his off his finger because of the fact that a ghoul actually ghoulie actually bit him. But in that case, and everything, nothing happens to him or anything like that. But I have to say, the music choices in this movie in this TV show as well is really good. I love the musical choices they actually had. There's a lot of. 80s kind of vibe to this whole entire thing. My favorite character is Wesley because of the fact that he is a right trying to seek redemption for the things that he's done in the past that he's actually ashamed for and he wants to be redeemed. I like that aspect. And then you also have this other type of Mad Max kind of role 
where this of uh, the football team and each time when someone dies out of that whole entire thing there's a new person that takes that person's place in that whole entire thing and like I said it has a whole Mad Max kind of vibe to it you also have the golf team that's doing some stuff too in this apocalyptic hybrid world then you also have Angelica who's a pyromaniac but another thing too is Matthew Broderick is in this before I even found out that Matthew Broderick was even in this movie my first instant thought was Ferris Bueller's Day Off because of the fourth wall break, like I mentioned before. But then all of a sudden I see Matthew Broderick's uh, character. He's in there, and he's actually playing the principal. I geeked out for at least five minutes. I'm like, okay, I didn't realize that I actually made a reference to him actually being in the movie, in that TV show. This TV show actually breaks into a ten episode... Uh, 10 episodes, and I feel like that that's actually all you need for this type of show. I feel like that this actually works. Not only that, but there's even this guy named Eli who's actually a big geek into Magic the Gathering, like I am. And then Josh and him both battle it out with Pokemon, thinking about how about facing off against each other in Pokemon and stuff like that. And it even goes into their childhood. It shows them as a child like their inner child are arguing back and forth from when they're little and I actually like that aspect too because this this goes to show you that this is like a coming of age type of apocalyptic kind of show and it just gravitates you towards wanting to wonder how are these kids going to get out of this whole entire apocalyptic world are the adults actually going to snap out of this whole entire thing and I'm wondering too if Miss Crumb's blood is actually what you need to actually bring these goal bring the parents back from being a ghoulie to being actually of a human being again. But I feel like the chemistry with all these kids actually work. You actually have these Asian kids who are actually uh who are actually gamers and not only that, but they also pretend that they're they don't speak any English either so that way they can actually get information that they actually need. Which I thought that was actually pretty cool. Then if you actually ignore some of the political stuff that goes on in this show, you're going to love this show even more. There's a lot of stuff that's actually political, which I don't like shows that are political. I don't like watching certain episodes, certain TV shows where you're reminded of something that's actually political on TV or anything like that. Because I want to escape from political stuff. I want to escape from all that other stuff and watch a show that's not based off of anything like that. But if you ignore those aspects, if you ignore that, you're going to love this show just like I did because I simply love this show and I can't wait to see what they're going to do with season two. But the way this show ends is not your Hollywood cliche of endings. In other words, if you're expecting a happy ending for Josh, there's a twist at the very end that's unpredictable that you don't see coming. And that's what I love about this show is the fact that you don't see the twist coming. And then whenever you do, you're amazed at what happened. So I highly recommend Daybreak for a simple fact. If you're looking for an apocalyptic post show that centers around teenage kids that are trying to survive this whole entire realm, I strongly recommend Daybreak. Now I'm going to talk about Terminator Dark Fate. It's self-terminated budget. I'm sorry, but it self-terminated against itself pretty much, and it had a budget of $185 million, and it bombed. I'm going to be honest with you, the, to produce, um, a matter of fact, it only made, it estimated $29 million. It's good enough for a number one slot with a $40 million tracking, and this is not good. 
with a budget of $185 million to produce the film. This is not good if you're a Terminator fan. This is the sixth movie in the whole entire franchise. I feel like if they didn't make Terminator Genesis or Genesis or whatever they wanted to call that last movie, I feel like that this movie would have actually went to being number one, a high-grossing film. Or maybe if it came out in the summertime, instead of in the wintertime, I think it might have actually had a chance. But considering the fact that there was negative reviews going around for for Terminator Genocide, I feel like this movie missed its chance to actually be something great. And I feel bad that this film didn't make that much money like it's supposed to make. Because I feel like when you have your return, like Linda, Linda Hamilton coming back, then you have the original kid who played John Connor coming back, and then you have Arnold coming back, I feel like this movie should have made a lot more money than what it should have. And not only that, but there's also been a lot of positive reviews for this movie. And I don't know why people are not seeing this movie. Unless I'm thinking that it's the wintertime. And maybe they don't want to see Terminator. And they want to see something else. But I think that they actually missed the marker here. To where they should have not should have not made Genesis. And they should have just went on ahead and made Terminator Dark Fate. At least then that would be the fifth installment and not the sixth installment of the Terminator franchise. And then there might have actually been a shot for it to actually be good. But it is what it is. I just wish that it would have made more money. I'm pro- I'm going to go see it tomorrow night. So hopefully I'll enjoy Terminator Dark Fate. I'll have a full review, of course, tomorrow. It's going to be a spoiler-free review, but I'll have a review nonetheless. So now I'm going to go in ahead and talk about Jeffrey Wright as as Commissioner Gordon. Now, as everybody knows, he's a black actor. He played in in TV shows such as Boardwalk Empire. He played like the evil doctor who who was getting on Nucky's nerves and everything. And Nucky wanted to try and kill him for taking over his city. And then you also have Westworld. Now, I made a lot of people mad when I said that Jeffrey Wright was actually the right casting choice for Commissioner Gordon. To me, you don't he doesn't need to be white. Just because we've seen him portrayed as a white character for a long period of time, it doesn't mean that we have to see him as a white character. We can actually see him as a black character if you wanted to. Like no one batted an eye when Samuel L. Jackson took over the role for Nick Fury at all. I understand that Nick Fury didn't play in that many Marvel movies or anything like that or before the MCU took place and he was always a white character in the comics but no one batted an eye whenever Samuel Jackson took that role and now all of a sudden there's a big issue with Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon to me the character is not the big it is not a big issue he can be anything you want as long as you don't change that origin story to benefit the actor and to me they're not even changing the the origin story of Commissioner Gordon. They're just changing the race of Commissioner Gordon. And some people's like, well, why don't they just give him an original character? Why don't they just change his name? I said, I'm thinking to myself, why don't I just go on a kid and call you Bob and change how you were born and everything and see how you feel? That's the way I feel about that. Um, I love Jeffrey Wright as an actor. I think he's going to kill it and crush it as Commissioner Gordon. I bet if this, if he knocks it out of the park, uh, park in the Batman movie, I bet nobody's says anything about him being black in this movie and being Commissioner Gordon. I bet everyone's like, well, I knew that he was going to be good. No, you didn't. You said that you didn't like him because he was going to be black. 
So anyways, that's how I honestly feel about it. I think that Jeffrey Wright is going to kill it and crush it as Commissioner Gordon. And just because we haven't seen a black Commissioner Gordon doesn't mean that it's right or wrong. I understand that it might take some adjusting for some people to adjust to the fact that he's a, uh, a black character. But I can actually understand that issue because of the fact that it, we... Because of the fact that we've been always saw was a white person playing that character for over a period of time, and we always seen him as a white character, we never saw him as a black character. So I understand that aspect, but just to say, oh, he's why don't they change it? Nah, I don't. I don't get down like that. I don't like that at all. You know, keep your racism to yourself is what I'm gonna say about that. But anyways, um, enough of me me ranting about Jeffrey Wright as Commissioner Gordon. Now I'm going to talk about Arnold Schwarzenegger saying that he's open for another last action hero and a movie and True Lies movie. I love Last Action Hero. I even owned the soundtrack as a kid and on that cassette tape and listening to ACDC, all the hard rock hits on that album and Aerosmith with Dream On. I have to say, I hope he comes back as Jack Slater for Last Action Hero, and I hope that he comes back for True Lies. But I feel like with True Lies, you know, you have your cheesy 90s type of thing where this might be too little too late that this movie's actually going to be made. I don't feel like that this is actually the right time to actually make a True Lies movie because of the fact that we already have kind of like a True Lies type of feel when you look at the John Wick movies, especially with Keanu Reeves riding through the city on a horse and uh, John Wick Chapter 3. But I think that we could actually see a good True Lies movie in the future, but for right now, I'm kind of leaning towards more open for a Last Action Hero type movie than I am a True Lies movie. But that's just me. That's what I want. But just because that's what I want doesn't mean it's going to happen that way. So, with further ado, this is going to be the end of the show for tonight. But I do have to say this. I'm going to be interviewing a woman named Irene. And Irene made a little short video. Uh, and it's actually being played at independent film festivals across across the United States and everything. And that thing is called Life Is. If you haven't seen that, I would strongly recommend that you check out Life Is. It's kind of like a revenge type plot where you actually have this girl running down the road. And the mother wants to seek justice. The justice wind up winds up feeling her so she takes matters into her own hands and goes after the killer that killed her daughter and i love revenge type stories and that little short film right there is a really good way of actually getting your name out and i really think that this movie this short film is actually going to be paving the way for irene so i'm going to be interviewing her on thursday so make sure you actually stick around for that whenever that drops so but anyways until next time Bye-bye.